we'll go now with Sir JDM and his game. Sir JDM, what's your strategy role-playing game of the evening? Alright, so for me, I'm going to um, talk about uh, Brigandine at the Ooh. Legend of Porsena from Atlas in 1998. So this is also a strategy tactical game. So a strategy slash tactical RPG game because uh, you will know in a minute. So this game is set in the continent of Porsena. Uh, you have these different um, uh, kingdoms. One of them is the like the capital of of all the continent, which is New America, which is the largest kingdom in uh, the continent. However, there was this um, guy, the leader of the um, new uh, the leader of Amed. I mean, the largest kingdom before was Amelpia. So, one of the, uh, like the general, the the leader of the, um, the troops there, uh, sparked a rebellion with a dark knight named uh, Kador or Kador, and they they killed the king, and so his son escaped. Uh, Prince Lance went to a nearby kingdom who's also loyal to uh, Amelpia. And the they left Amelpia, then this Zemeckis guy, the general, he started a new kingdom called the Esgaris Empire. And it's like Game of Thrones because you are in this continent, then uh, all of a sudden there's this one um, kingdom that became an empire. He is trying to um, expand his empire to the other uh, parts of the continent. It's like Game of Thrones, so uh, politics and something like that. And what the main character is Prince Lance, who was the son of this king. Uh, the king of Amelkia. He went to a different uh, kingdom, which was loyal to his father. And he swore revenge. And he was um, he's eager to bring back the kingdom altogether and become the king. And so this. Uh, game has uh, three different gameplays. So the, here comes where uh, here's where the uh, strategy part comes in. Uh, you have this um, phase that's called the organized phase. You this is where you move your knights, uh, summon monsters, or send some of your rune knights to a quest uh, where they can get items or. Um, increase their stats um, also you can only uh, have a number of uh, monsters or allies in your per night because there are rune knights in each kingdom so they have uh, only a limited number of rune magic I guess is what it's called so you can only summon 
a few monsters each um, each phase so in the monsters you have the typical hydra the griffon uh, the wyvern uh, the clay golem you have you also have unicorns and pixies those are support units and then once you have moved your knights you summon your monsters and your attack phase will begin so this is the time that you can move your knights to the uh, adjacent uh, kingdoms and then when you proceed to the next stage it's going to do the battle phase so it will show you which um, territories are warring against two and then it will show you this one the one that you see on the screen this is where the tactical um, gameplay comes in so you have this grid which is not typical because um, in in tactical games you only have those square grid right here you have six because it's a hexagonal grid so instead of just four um, surrounding you there's going to be six enemies so that's more um, difficult and then uh, what I like about this game is when you when you try to attack other enemies you have this animation 3d animation like that so that's a gin um, using a ice magic towards a dragon so there are also elements here so you have red red i guess is the fire then green is nature something like that uh blue is for water or ice and you also have um the white and the black magic and what i like here is you can have battles with your um rune knights with this gigant gigantic uh, enemies <laughs> uh, monsters so it's it's not like um in final fantasy tactics uh, you have um enemy uh, human enemies here you have you can fight monsters and dragons and these mythical creatures like the unicorn and then uh you also have the trains as well uh let's not forget about that you have um those grassland so there's no advantage here uh you also have the like the forest or jung uh forest i guess uh trees it has um it affects your defense and your um the rate that you can avoid the attacks and also as i mentioned earlier the if you're inside the castle your defense is much more um uh greater than when you're in the grasslands so 
there's no elevation here like in Final Fantasy Tactics. So everything is in the le- uh, they're all leveled, no elevation. And what I liked about this game is the 3D animation. That's what you can see in here. So from at first in the overview you have the the 2D sprites like this one. Then once they begin the battle, they become 3D animation. And I also like the music the music in this uh, uh, game. It's very appropriate. And it's it's like um, it's medieval, but the music is somehow it's rock and yeah. And what I don't I yeah I also like the uh, character banters in this game. Um, sometimes when it. Because uh, when the king was ob- when the the kingdom was overthrown, some of the um, knights that were loyal to the king they decided to stay with the general. So the characters there are related to they have um, they have they have. Uh, relationship with the other characters or the one that left the empire so when they uh, when they meet in the um, battle phase they do banters they uh, they like um, insult each other or greet they do greet each other so I like that what I didn't like about this game it's it's quite difficult even if you're in the um, the easy mode because I guess it's because of the um, hexagonal grid you easily get uh, surrounded by enemies and also uh, when you begin the game you can choose whether uh, there are several uh, characters that you can start with. Some are easy, some are hard, and some uh, some kingdoms do not have um, the powerful monsters, so it's really hard for them to win battles in, in the beginning, so you really need to um, send them to quests so they can get um, power-ups, uh, equipment that can help you in your battles. So that's it for uh, Brigandine. If you haven't played this, I think this game is a hidden gem. I don't think anyone have played this uh, in my times of uh, I, uh, when people are streaming they're always playing the um, Final Fantasy Tactics or Tactics Ogre and I rarely see people play this game on their stream so I think I'm the 2% or 1% of the (laughs) population who have played this game well I have to tell you one thing JDM I do remember seeing this a lot uh, way back in the PS1 era, uh, you know how we would we would 
uh, sort through all the discs in our resident Seven Seas places where we'd, we would go buy our PlayStation 1 games. I would always see this game, but the artwork on the cover would all be so generic that I would kind of always bypass it, I guess. Sometimes you do judge a book by its cover. I'm sorry to have to say this, but that was one of the things that made me pass over Brigandine all the time. Brigandine, uh, Brigandine all the time when I was trying to choose what game to buy for my swing pirata. And uh, it's just, you know, I, I just <laughs> sorry to have to say this, but you know, I and for looking at it though, from the way that you describe it, it looks like it's good. I might get into it and its sequel right I now. I want to play it. Switch. Yes, there you go. Which is out on I, Switch, uh, Brigandine Runeria, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So yeah, with your description of this, I might want to try to get into it. And it doesn't seem as complicated as some of the SRPGs that I've that that have been that have been described because you're describing it as being on a flat plane. You don't factor in yeah. elevation. You don't factor in. Yeah. Uh, amount, a multiplied damage because of the fact that the arrow is coming down at you from a mountain, things like that. So it looks good. You're about the same as Kino. Oh, sorry. So I, I, I want to play Brigandine, but it's so damn expensive. Uh, PS1. Okay, okay. I don't know why it's expensive. Maybe because it's it's something that has not as successful. So maybe there's limited prints. Mm-hmm. And then when I heard that it's going to be uh, the winner shot, the switch release and uh, mm. other mo- uh, modern console release i was like oh, man why didn't they make a remaster of the original one because it's so expensive but yeah i i actually wasn't expecting to see more of mythical creatures and um the beast and i'm actually intrigued by the hexagonal grid mm. and mm. yeah I, I think i'm gonna be one of those players who's gonna die Easily because I'm I'm gonna be surrounded with enemies. Yeah, not not just by four enemies but six. Mm-hmm. Again, and all your yeah, <laughs> <laughs> bayan. And like you're standing there, you make a mistake of positioning your character in a bad spot, and all of the enemies rush you in one large, one large, you know, group. You're 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 screwed. <laughs> yeah, and also I would like to add, pala. Uh, Mm. Uh, another good thing about this game is when you do the area damage or those um, damage that do this line of fire, they don't really um, hit the your the friendlies, just the enemies. I think that's uh, for others it would be unfair because it's not realistic. No, it's because a plus. When... <laughs> I hate it when I cast when I cast a spell, you know, and, and my my forces get damaged too because of the splash. Yeah. It's like, what the heck? This is just this is just it's, way too complicated for me already. <laughs> it's not like in Final Final Fantasy Tactics that when you do uh, the 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 Firaga, mm-hmm. then it's a, it's like a cross. Anything that anything that <laughs> within that cross. They're also affected by the it's friendly um, fire. Yeah. I hate that. I hate friendly fire. <laughs> Literally friendly fire. It, um. I'm actually surprised that you mentioned that it has an easy mode because normally the tactics games won't have any slider oh. when it comes to the difficulty. I I think that's the maybe I I think that's the reason why they don't do the friendly fire is because I did the easy maybe. Because I, oh. I played the normal mode. Maybe in the normal mode, mo- mo- in the normal mode and the hard mode, it's going to be 
there's going to be friendly fire. So let me try that later. All right. So yeah, uh, graphic-wise, it looks good. Reminds me a little bit of Legend of the Guy on the PS One. If yeah, uh, you know. Yeah. All right. Back to you, Joe. Oh, I think Joe's uh, mic is muted. Uh, judging by the gameplay that I'm looking at here, it's very equal opportunity. The biggest creature versus the smallest creature <laughs> battling it out like it's a normal thing to do. Like they don't care. <laughs> I'll attack whatever, yeah. right? Um, number two, I like the area of effect uh, magic here. Um, it's, it's very satisfying when um, when you're able to cast a wide array of uh, of magic that can cause damage to multiple enemies and not just once. It's just cost effective, you know. Um, I, I like it like that. And yeah, um, what else? You Very also Pokemon. like this too. You, you also <laughs> like that that girl and the succubus. There's a succubus in the game. Of course. Maybe you might want to pick that up as well. And the pixies. Always pick the succubus, guys. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anybody else would like to uh, comment on Brigandine? Well, I want to um, say that the animation during the attacks are really good. Like it's an older version of the modern Fire Emblem attack animations, so I, li- I really like how that looks. But unlike Fire Emblem, you don't have the dramatic deaths here, like Peter Griffin dying. Oh, not as oh. animation, not as, dra- not as dramatic as as uh, was that? What was the name of that game, Joe? The one that spews blood everywhere? Uh, uh, Vandal Hearts. Vandal Hearts. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They just. Uh, Glow, uh, they just glow up and explode. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, no drama there, no drama there yeah. at all. <laughs> and they no do a all. like, like a scream or mm. something. Now, if you think your games are Game of Thrones, Vandal Hearts, now they are very Game of Thrones in regarding with the gore and the violence. All right, I'd like to say hi to Barona Royka, Gami Tagli on Twitch. Hey, Gami, it's great to see you again. One of our more loyal viewers. Thanks very much for hanging around, Barona Royka, Gami Tagli. All right, so uh, we're at uh, two and a half hours. Why don't we do, just do a speed round for our for our choice, for our second choice? Just a speed round, quick one, uh, quick name the game, describe it quickly, then you know, next panelist. How's that? Uh, sure. I'll actually, but first things first. I do believe we have mm-hmm. something from Dan Faulkner first. Okay? Oh yeah, sir Dan. Mm-hmm. All right, let's do a really quick one from Dan about his choices of strategy RPGs. All right. I hope this is not a shoot them up. <laughs> I know <laughs> I, I, that, that trauma is still hanging around with me, JDM. My goodness. Okay. Uh, let me just uh, there you go uh, Sir Don Faulkner and his choices for the strategy role playing games hello Timeless Gamer crew and thanks for having me on the show again in uh, in this uh, episode of strategy RPGs uh, my choices obviously they're going to be Sega choices I've got to represent my boys and uh, the Sega ones I'm going to pick both, well, Sega Mega Drive all through, 
Um, first, we're going to start with the legendary Shining Force 2. Okay, uh, Shining Force 2, and it's a 1993 game, sequel to the original Shining Force, obviously. And uh, it's uh, it's very much cited for being an RPG that introduced and got a lot of people into RPGs in general. Uh, a lot of a lot of games are credited uh, with that, but a lot of people I know who weren't into RPGs got into it via Shining Force 2. And in the Sega groups that I mod, it's uh, it's, it's widely hailed as that. So uh, it's got that feather in its cap anyway. But it's a fantastic little game, and it's got a lot of things that set it apart. I mean. It, it's a great game anyway. It's got a lot of very um, good, well-designed tactical battles that work well, and they've all got something a little bit different, a little bit interesting uh, going off with them, and uh, and they're great in themselves. Um, but what really sets Shiny Force 2 apart from uh, a lot of other strategy RPGs is that it still contains exploration, like you would have in a traditional JRPG. You can talk to people around towns, you can find a lot of secrets, there are secret areas and uh, secret characters to be found, uh, and it gives the game a lot of depth and character, and it is it, it just works amazingly. It's quite astounding that certain uh, inferior uh, series like Fire Emblem uh, didn't, didn't you know, copy that formula at an early stage, really, uh, or an earlier stage. Um, you know, Shiny Force 2 just had this amazing formula and uh, nobody tried to, to copy it for years but yeah hey ho but uh, but yeah what's that well says it apart is um it's extremely replayable okay I, I replay it at least once a year and the main reasons for that is, is number one it's got a wide uh, range of um uh, characters you can you can choose from it's a large large roster and at this roster there's quite a few secret characters so chances are if you if you're not a if you're not a pussy and you, you're playing it through properly without a guide, then you're not going to find your, all your characters on your first playthrough, which which obviously gives games more replayability. So that's a great thing. Um, but it's it, as well as that wide roster, you can also uh, experiment with different changes in, um, in 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 various characters' careers. Not not every single character has it, but some characters can get special items that give them a different career path, which is again more replayability and um, to add to that uh, as well as the secrets and the roster you've also got um, multiple difficulty levels which were pretty unheard of for an RPG of that era uh, you've got four difficulty levels here and what's even better is the two hardest difficulty levels take a different approach to how they're difficult okay well I think I believe one was actually a programming mistake but basically what happens is one of them turns the AI really um, aggressive and makes him go for your healers and your, uh, your your main character. And your main character, if your main character dies, you lose the battle instantly regardless of how the rest of your troops are doing. Uh, and the other approach is that it increases the enemy at, uh, attack power significantly. Um, so again, it, it gives you, when you play through both these approaches, you, you, you can't approach the battles in the same way or you, you, know, you, 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 you don't end up winning. And it just, between all these little elements, you've got a, just a superb, top-tier game that's got a ton of replayability, a ton of charm, a ton of accessibility. It's really simple and really easy to get into. But it's got a lot of depth as well because of these elements. So honestly, Shiny Force 2, play it. It's, it's a fantastic strategy RPG. If you're into it, you're missing out if you ain't playing it, I'll tell you. Um, the other one I'm gonna pick, again, Sega Mega Drive, is Warsong. Now, Warsong's more traditional strategy RPG 
um, much like it is the exploration elements, aren't they? It is literally a bit of story onto a battle, bit of story onto a battle. What makes it so great is it's just got a, a supremely brilliant balanced challenge. It's got it's got um, a um, a gameplay mechanic whereby you employ troops, okay, and you evolve your character. Each character has several different paths that they can go along. Yeah, you know I mean, you can end, you can end up a dragon knight, you can end up a, a normal knight, you can end up a, a warlock, or you know, what I mean, you can you, you, is and that again, how you build your squads contributes a lot to, to how you play through the game. Uh, but you also have troops, and how you progress through this uh, character tree uh, determines what kind of troops you get as well. So that's something else to think about. It works really great because, one, like I say, that main mechanic is that your troops, the nearer they are to you, the stronger they are to you. And if they if they fall outside of like an area of command, they become incredibly weak. So that really adds a lot of strategy RPGs don't have that element, and it really adds a different approach to how you have to uh, attack the enemies and position your, your troops and people because if they're straight too far from your commander it's the difference between winning and losing and each each troop uh, it's, it's basically got a, a rock paper scissors methods of how, how it employs troop types but it's it's, a, it's, it's deeper than that um, and it's just a supremely balanced game when it comes to gameplay it really is it's fantastic and um, it's got you know it's got wicked banging tunes that that accompany it, you know, tunes that you wouldn't think could be in a in a um, strategy RPG, you fan, especially fancy when it's got like techno beats and everything. It's really, really great, um, and it's got a nice meaty challenge. Got a really, really nice meaty challenge. So, you know, this 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 challenge it's, it includes permadeath. So, permadeath is always a great, you know, it's always a great thing to have because you you lose a character, your character dies, boom, that's it, it's dead, done. So it's you know it's, it's really great from from that angle. It's a really really nice meaty game, and I'll give it sequel an honourable mention. Now, overall, I'd say it's sequel Langrissa Two, uh, which is actually a Japanese exclusive game, but you can obviously get an English patch for it now. Langrissa Two is probably the better game, but I would say to everybody play Warsong first because it just works better that way. Like it just, it just, it, I, I played that way, and I'm so glad I did. It, it works better. The gameplay mechanics that evolve um, from the uh, first game, Warsong in Langrissa 2, that does make it, like I said, it makes it a better game. There's a lot more secrets to be found in there that you can search your maps for. But it's, it loses permadeath, which I do feel waters it down a bit. And it's a, it's a, sh it's a real shame there wasn't an option to, to include permadeath. Uh, in the second game, even even if even if you know you're adding your default setting as no permadeath, including permadeath would have just just made it really really nice. But again, it's an, it's another fantastic game. All all the goodness of the first one just tweaked and refined, and with, with great great again great tunes again, um, great battle challenges. What makes the second one probably uh, really stand out is that a lot of the battles change up about halfway through. You get different dynamics. You know, surprises that, that occur throughout the battles and that really keeps you on your toes. Definitely, now this this game, Langrisha 2, is also on Super Nintendo. And Super Nintendo, well, it's, it's on a lot of, actually, both of these games are on a lot of systems. We've got remade many times. Uh, the, on the Super Nintendo, especially, because that's the one I've, I've also played uh, a lot of, but on the other versions that I played, I've played the recent remakes. Include a lot more story. So if you're a story guy and you're, you're a bit of a fanny and you're not really into to combat, then 
you know, that might be the way to go. Personally, I think they're all shit compared to the Mega Drive versions because they're so, so easy. It's pathetic. It's pathetic. They've, they've, they've ruined them. Completely ruined them. Uh, and the Super Nintendo version, it is, it is, honest to God, it is so weak. It's a, it's a baby's game. You can play through the Super Nintendo version without losing a troop. Never mind losing a commander. Never mind losing a battle. You know what I mean? It is, it is a, it's a one-year-old game, and 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 uh, the later version that I played were pretty much the same. So I'm not saying don't try them, but if you want the proper experience, go for Warsong and Langrisser on the Sega Mega Drive, where they actually treat you like you, you know, with respect. They respect your intelligence. They respect that you're, you know, you're, you're not of, of a of a baby level brain, really. So, uh, so yeah, um, you know, I'm just feeling badly even thinking about it. Ugh. God, I hated playing playing the Super Nintendo version. It was horrible. But there were three games. So check them out, all on Sega Mega Drive. They're all fantastic. And keep your games aimless. All right. Thank you for that, Sir Dan. And there you have it. According to the Sega Mega Master, he has spoken the best strategy Strategy role-playing games for the Mega Drive Genesis is Shining Force 2, Warsong, Langreiser 2, and Les Langreiser for the SNES can suck it. <laughs> According to Sir Dan Faulkner. All right. <laughs> Apparently, the SNES version is just plain bollocks. Um, so I'll just do my game, and mm. then we'll just speed round yes. and uh, for uh, for mine just to, uh, just to provide a little bit more variety on the selections that we have i'll uh, i'll choose um for the sega dreamcast called the run dim as black soul uh so this game was released back in 2001 for the sega dreamcast uh, by yuki enterprises and published by idea factory so story all right so um Global warming. Oh shit! Uh, massive flood. Okay. Uh, year twenty XX. The whole world's gone to shit. Everything's on fire. Every nation is broke. Okay. So what do we do? Let's invest all the money that we have on robots. Sure. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> so what we do? Yeah, we we build robots and we fight for whatever resources that's left. Joe just disappeared. I guess his enthusiasm killed his stream. All right, sorry about that. We'll just let we'll just let um, oh, we'll just give Joe a little bit of a moment to come back, uh, and I. Oh, okay, so, 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 sorry about that. Okay, <laughs> his his electric his electric uh, uh, enthusiasm <laughs> really got the stream. Okay, continue, Joe. Go ahead. Right. Oh, all right. Um, technical difficulties and all that. Okay. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so that's basically the the story. Okay. Um, so, what's good and the bad about this game? Okay, let, let's go, uh, let's go with good uh, gameplay. Looks like a combination of the PlayStation One games, Vanguard Bandits, and Front Mission Three. To all of you guys who are familiar with those games, um, much like um, War Song and Brigandine, you move on a hexagon grid map, and of course, robots. And you know, uh, just like the Super Robot Wars, yeah. Uh, so there are three types of robots here. Uh, I'll call them mobile suits, Gundam. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you got your close-range robots. They use the, the double-handed 
double handed long swords. You got your mid range robots. They have the beam saber and the rifle. And you got your long uh, long range robots uh, that has the cannon on the shoulder and a rifle on the other hand. So as far as I know, you cannot change their weapons. Although, um, as far as I know, you can only just upgrade them uh, just just for them to be more effective in battle if you have the money. Uh, combat menu here includes a counter action tab, which will allow the player uh, to choose what the character will do if it gets attacked by an enemy, whether you, you choose to defend, dodge, or counter attack. Of course, uh, if you choose defend, the damage you will get depending on your robot's armor and endurance. If you choose to dodge, it depends on your evasion rate. If you choose to counter-attack, it will depend on your robot's accuracy. So the counter-action tab here is usable before and after your robot attacks. Meaning, if you attack first, for example, you can set the tab to defend or dodge to minimize the counter-damage that you will receive from the enemy. If you set the tab to counter attack after you end your turn, if the enemy robot if the enemy robot attacks you, then you get the chance to you know to retail uh, to retaliate. Um, if the enemy attacks, uh, you know you know uh, just to shave off some HP from the enemy. You will get monetary rewards by doing side jobs in this game, and it can be an escort mission, destroy an enemy base, or destroying all of the enemy units. The maxima, uh, to maximize your reward, it all depends on how many of your robot units will survive the mission, how many enemy units you will destroy, um, how fast can you complete the mission. Like for example, if the threshold is 10 turns, you, you manage to finish it by 6, good for you. Uh, or your escort vessel passes safely. Uh, the bad about this game all right okay most annoying the designs of the ro- uh, okay number one the designs of the robots here they lack creativity and imagination compared to vanguard bandits and front mission very colorful of those games here they can be they can be very they can be so generic and half the time i don't even distinguish them from the enemy and what's your party members or look like they all look the same to me kind of um it would be nice if you can customize your robots. Uh, what color? Sure. Um, this is the only this is the only SRPG that uses robots that makes you pay for your own repairs and ammunition. Say what you ask. Okay, example. Um, picture Super Robot Wars, and you're using Voltus Five. And for every Voltest Bazooka, for every Ultra Magnetic Top, for every Ultra Magnetic Sword, you're gonna have to pay for that <laughs> for every time you use that every battle. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. So basically, the game will make you pay uh, for for damage repairs and uh, to get uh, to replenish your ammunition every uh, every battle, just to keep with the consistent the consistency of the game's plot. That every nation is broke. Okay? KKB. <laughs> <laughs> so the base is not oh uh, so the base is not responsible for uh for, for shouldering all of these repairs. Nah, that's on you. <laughs> uh 
Um, so the base has no money to maintain the robots or, or upgrading them or equipping them. So after each battle, the game will take note of every damage your robots took, how much ammunition ammunition was used. Uh, Sir Joel will, uh, will will have a knack of this. So yeah, the game um, will show sounds, battle. Like, yeah, it sounds, definitely sounds like something I would enjoy. Like, oh, how much money are we going to spend with this bullet? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so the battle will, will, uh, will show how, uh, a computation of how much uh, how much damage it took, how many bullets it, uh, how many how many bullets that you used, and the game will deduct the total amount from the monetary reward that you're supposed to get, and mm. and it will only give you what like peanut change. Um, so okay, so if every nation is broke, right? So where does your money coming from? Where does the monetary reward, the monetary reward comes from? So apparently, by doing side quests or mercenary work for various contractors and other organizations, yeah, they will give you the money. Which still begs the question: If every nation is broke, then where is the money coming from? So yeah, so every uh, for um, it just comes from you know, eh, <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> All right, so uh, so I mentioned so the game will post that uh, the game will post the the calculations after the battle. Mm-hmm. You cannot contest, you cannot question the game's math. All right, <laughs> although the game will show you the post battle computations, do not be surprised if the game will screw you off your reward money. Your computations might be right, but it don't mean shit to the game. It will <laughs> take more than it should. Like it will take like I'm like thirty percent more, <laughs> and I'm I don't know maybe there's some hidden tax in there that, that, that the game is not telling me. Um, so at the shop, okay, at the base, you will use what what is left with your money to upgrade the stats of your robots and weaponry, and unless the game allows you to, you can only upgrade them to a certain extent. And as far as I know, I only reach up to chapter five. There are no consumable items that you can use. Or you can buy at the shops. Some of these items are just given by the base after a successful story mission, not during your side missions. And as far as I know, up to chapter five, you can only deploy up to four robots from your side. The enemy can start off with three, and then as the turn, uh, as as the game progresses on, uh, each turn goes by. They have the they have the ability to call for reinforcements. Fair, right? <laughs> oh, and unlike front mission, each robot only has a single HP meter. Uh, you know, in front mission three, um, your bot uh, uh, the main the main body left arm left arm right arm the legs have their own HP, uh, and this one they just have one single HP uh, meter. So, uh, oh, uh, to make things better, there are no means to repair them in battle. So if they get oh, damaged, yeah. so there's no means to repair them. There's no HP replenishing uh, uh, skill. Mag- there's no magic, of course, robots. <laughs> there's nothing to repair them during the battle. So good luck to you if they get destroyed during, uh, during your battle. Because you can only have four. It's a good thing though. There's no permadeath. There's no permadeath. If one of your robots get destroyed, the pilot will just evacuate and then come back. But because the game is charging you for everything, that that means getting that <laughs> um, uh, restoring that robot will <laughs> will cost you a lot more. 
<laughs> so it's up to you now to whether you decide to you know um, if, if you have an if you have a robot who is very low in H, very low in HP, just tail back. So strategy, okay. So pay attention to the debriefing before each mission because this will tell you what kind of enemy units that you will be facing and what the victory conditions are. If the victory condition says defeat all enemies and or uh, reach uh, reach the base, the enemy base, I would say just go to the base rather than you know risking your uh, your units and battling all of the uh, all of the enemy units. Uh, uh, what else? Oh, see, see right there. <laughs> okay, so I'm showing you <laughs> the the competition. Yeah, so you got your uh, so you got your your rewards there. So the re- um so the income competition side that's correct. In what universe would be the total would? For fifty-four plus ninety-two plus three hundred and twelve plus one hundred and one hundred eighty-six plus one thousand, and you will get four thousand nine. So do the math. You would think, yeah. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, so how the hell the game came up with four thousand and nine, four thousand nine dollars? Nah, it, it, it's dollars. you know. Yeah, <laughs> into dollars. Yeah, I agree. So, that, oh, or, so the game says. So the game is telling me that okay. So uh, my unit uh, spent one thousand dollars for rifle ammunition and cost fifty four dollars for get uh, for that to get fixed. So that means so one thousand one thousand two fifty one thousand one eighty six three hundred twelve ninety two and fifty four. That still add up to four thousand and nine. So I'm not sure where the game uh, where the game is getting that math though. I'm not Able. sure if I'm just <laughs> I'm not sure if that's correct or I'm just I don't know. <laughs> oh Using goodness. the calculator right now, it's not four thousand. <laughs> unless unless we're talking about uh, no, that's not it either. Oh my gosh, the the accountant in me is now calculating things. Try to try to reconcile this. Try to reconcile these figures. My, anyway, sure? <laughs> anyways, like, like I mentioned, you know, you know, this is gonna bug me now as an accountant. You know, like, so, like I mentioned, you don't question the math uh, <laughs> unless you're going to count. Unless you're going to take account of every single figure in there, maybe, maybe the game is telling me, yeah, the math is correct. Uh, just accept it. Sure. No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Tito Joel, you should be uh, used to this by now. Yeah, because I'm, if you go I'm to the dealership, it's like this. I, know, I agree. That's true. <laughs> to a car dealership, it's it's exactly like this. I, I, I'm going to call for an audit of this one. So, that, so <laughs> that tells me my, my, my total reward for doing everything right. I, got, I will get $25,700. The game is charging me for the repairs and the ammunition. Minus four uh, four thousand and four thousand and nine dollars, and the game will only give me the remainder of I don't know uh, twenty one thousand six hundred ninety one. I'm not even sure if well I'm well I'm definitely sure that's a correct sub- sub- subtraction, but I'm not sure about the way he computed the cost though. <laughs> anyway, and let's get a bug me. That's gonna bug me for the rest of the day. Yeah, <laughs> it's just so annoying. <laughs> I know it right. is. Um, okay, so uh, strategy strategy number two. Um, mm. Always check the terrain of each hexagon in the combat map, because each hexagon has a certain number of mobility points. 
So, for example, mm-hmm. if a dry land hexagon requires 120 mobility points, if your robot has at least 240 mobility points, then that means it can only move up to two hexagons. A water hexagon needs 240 mobility points. That means that robot can only move up to one, one hexagon at a time. So my strategy would be invest more mobility points on each robot, you know, so that they're a bit more, uh, so they can maneuver a bit more around the map. Um, so you'll see right there. Um, uh, you can see in the, uh, you can see on the, on the screen right there. Uh, I'm just upgrading all of the, uh, the stats of my characters and my robots. Uh, oh, strategy number three. So each cannon fire from the long range robots, they cost one, uh, $1,000 per shot, making it, mo- making it the most expensive ammunition, but arguably the most devastating against the enemies. And um, although that being said, uh, you cannot really rely on the cannon fire all the time because chances are you will get less money <laughs> once the game does the post battle computation. Because you know, each, each shot costs a thousand dollars. So, can you imagine just keep on using the, uh, the cannon fire like 10 times? So how much money do you, do you think you'll, uh, you'll, you're going to get? So the long-range robots has the least mobility in exchange for the firepower and range. However, by investing on their mobility points, you can use them more efficiently in assisting your vanguards because not only that they have the cannon fire, they also have the rifle. So if you're too cheap to use the cannon fire, eh, you can just use the rifle. A lot cheaper. Oh. Um, again, with this game, there, are, uh, like I mentioned, so there are no means to replenish the HP. So take advantage of the counter action tab. If you think one of your robots have enough HP to tank all of the incoming enemy attack, choose counter attack. So at least you can shave off some enemy HP. The idea is making sure you maximize your monetary reward your monetary reward by keeping all of your robots functional after combat anyway so dodge or defend if you have to and yeah so as you can see there that's how you um, how you use your money to upgrade your stats um, armor endurance mobility um, accuracy yada 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 so yeah that's a uh, that's run equals uh, so that's run equals dim mm-hmm. as black soul weird name uh, all like it's, it's it's all i can do to not say run dmc what can i say yeah. i'm an 80s kid uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's also based from the 3d animation run equals dim uh mm-hmm. anime a 3d anime actually this was a time when uh, you, you, know, you guys know Reboot and Beast Wars. Yes. Based mm-hmm. the same uh, the same animation style like those. Uh, Johnny Quest. And Johnny yes. Quest. Uh, oh, uh, so this game, Japan only at first came uh, came on 2001. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I played here was a fan translation. Um, but yeah, um, 
despite of its quirks, I did enjoy it. <laughs> Again, thank the good Lord Almighty for fan translators. Thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, we'll do a quick speed round because it's already three hours. Yeah, so we'll, let's do course, let's do speed round. Yeah. Fortunately, mm-hmm. uh, we'll just do our uh, we'll just do a speed round of mm-hmm. of our second games. We'll mm-hmm. try to describe them as briefly as we can. So let's start off with uh, Serge DM. Mm. Okay, so for oh, me, we'll, second... do, we'll do Serge DM, yeah. Miss Hinu, Sir uh, Sir Joel, Miss I, Sir Drew, me, and then last Sir Jomar. Yes. All right. All right. Same JDM. Right. Speed round. So for for me, second game, it's going to be Monster Seed from Sunsoft in 1999. It's a tactical RPG. Um, it's like an abomination. You have Pokemon, <laughs> Pokemon, Digimon, Monster Rancher, and Final mm-hmm. Fantasy Tactics. It's like that. So you have a grid. You, you're a ruler. Uh, mm-hmm. You you call monsters. They fight for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hatch um, from seeds. That's the that's the title. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a total of ninety-seven monsters in total okay. that you can get in the whole game. But I think the there are dark seeds. They call they're like the rare seeds that you can get. Maybe um, there's a few more. Rather than just 97. So, mm-hmm. um, this is one of those uh, hidden gem games because, as we know, nobody likes these games. Uh, that uh, nobody like these types of games because mm-hmm. I think this is their uh, sense of spore. Um, like, they made this game because Pokemon is um, gaining money. Uh, as mm. well as Digimon, uh-huh. I think there's the this is their like attempt to um, develop a monster uh, game, uh, monster what they call this, uh, manage uh, mm-hmm. a monster yeah. raising, a monster raising, farming type, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! And I have to admit, JDM, it's another. Admit it's a trend that you choose the games that have the worst game covers in our Pirata places because this is another one of them that I keep seeing. Like Monster Seed, what the heck? Uh, let's just move on to the next one. It's just yeah. All right, and back to you. I remember. I, I remember back uh, when we were uh, in the Emirates. I mm. always see this game. Remember when you select the games those um, mm. pirated games yes you see this game Pepsi Man then Monster <laughs> Seed then Brigandine then you see this Metal Gear Solid mm. then after that you'll see this you'll see that game again mm-hmm. it's one of yeah. these games yeah I, I I get completely what you're saying <laughs> <laughs> all right so that is JDM second game Monster Seed uh, I I I kind of want to try it, but maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> All right, next person, Miss Hino. All right. Um, I just want to go off on the tangent since we don't have any time anymore. Um, a lot of the uh, strategy RPGs that we have mentioned are all set in this fantasy medieval setting. 
and I think a lot of people are aren't also into that, especially the non JRPG people. So I would recommend to those who are looking for more realistic, or at least as close to us as close to our real world would be uh, Valkyria Chronicles and um, Advance Wars. So I think those are two war games that uh, maybe people can try out if they're not into the medieval heavy heavy reading uh, thing. So um, for my second game, it's related to what Drew mentioned earlier. And I have here another uh, handheld SRPG and it's also something just like the, the Valkyrie profile I showed earlier. Mixed reviews, we have here the Final Fantasy Tactics A2. Um, don't kill me guys, I, I haven't played the main FF Tactics as well as FF Tactics Advance and also the main games for Valkyrie profile because I wanted to start off with the ones that people hate the most first that way I can finish off the series with the best installment so I'm saving uh, uh, the original FF Tactics for last so, um, also, I want to thank my friend Humps Gaming because she's the one who helped me along the way uh, for this game. Uh, so this game was made 2008. It's released before Valkyrie Profile. So the Tactics fans were eating good during those years. And of course, Square Enix. Um, I would say it's basically an isekai. You're a boy named Luso. You don't want to do your summer homework. So you got into detention, you found this cool book, and then you got transported to a different world or isekai to a different world. And um, just like um, FF Tactics, FF12, um, Vagrant Story, um, this is also part of the Avalice Alliance. So we do have some cameo characters here, um, Van and Penelope from FF12 actually appear in this game and I think it's also uh, a means for Square Enix to promote the FF12 tactics game also on the NDS which is uh, Revenant Wing so I think that's the reason why we have the cameo characters so let's go to some of the good parts um, it's more lighthearted and I think that's the reason why a lot of people don't like it. Because they're expecting to see something like the original Final Fantasy Tactics, which is very complex and for a more mature origin. So this is something that's lighthearted. But to those people who would try this game out, I would say that there are some side character stories that are surprisingly deep and can really give you the feels. So I was pleasantly surprised with that, but overall, it's a good, it's a good feel game. It's a happy game. Colors are wonderful. You can see it here on the screen. For those who are listening, we're showing the gameplay right now. Very, very vibrant colors. Very colorful. Um, since we're we're set in the Avalis, uh, Aval Alliance world, um, we have here them humans, non-humans, and they're basically. A mercenary who belongs to this clan and you compete with the other clans so that you'll get to be the best clan in, in this region of the world and um, you, you, you just go up the ranks until you find a means of returning to your world addictive job system 
um, just like the um, other strategy RPGs. So if you wanna go unconventional way, maybe you can have like a white mage who usually specializes in healing magic, but then you equip one with the bold skill. So you have a white mage who's punching enemies left and right and dealing 999 damage. So that's something fun that you can do uh, in this game. Uh, let's go to the bad. Oh, sorry, uh, for the good, OST. Very nice OST. Nothing remarkable, but I think it's perfect for the lightheartedness of the game. And it's something that can really give you LSS since it's it's catchy. Uh, not not something new, but it's catchy enough that you're gonna like it or, and you're gonna enjoy it. So, for the bads, um, it's not as difficult as Valkyrie Profile, Covenant of the Tomb. But there are gonna be difficulty spikes on some parts of the game because you will have conditions wherein you have to consider the terrain. Sometimes the game has terrain and uh, the difficulty. And lastly, uh, it's sometimes um, difficult to unlock the skills because the game doesn't necessarily tell you which job class you should use to unlock the certain skills. So. It's more in the experimentation thing, so um, there you go. If anyone wants to try FF Tactics but doesn't want to go into the nitty-gritty of the original one, yeah, maybe you can give this a shot, 7C's route, since the physical is, I think, kind of costly. So that would be it for me. Thank you. All right. All right thank you for that, Miss Hinu. Um, next up, Sir Joe. Okay, uh, my second game of the of the topic is a game called Igdra Union to follow Miss Hinu's choice. Oh shit, yeah, uh, I love that. Yeah, yeah of, <laughs> of, of handheld handheld SRPGs. I've tried Igdra Union. It first came out. Uh, the DS or the PSP, Sir Joel? Uh, I tried the PSP version actually, Very but uh, the GBA version is good too. Uh, it first came out on the GBA and it got ported into the uh, Sony PSP PlayStation Portable. It is a strategy RPG, of course, the usual um, the usual fantasy setting, but in this uh, usual fantasy hijinks where you are, you have a princess to save. But you know, in this case, she's a princess who has a magical sword who is destined to to gain back her kingdom that she lost, and it's the usual thing where. Actually, no. In this case, it's uh, it's making sure that your weaponry is focused on which which weaponry is most effective against your enemy's weaponry, and it's very linear. You don't try to move around the map or anything like that. You choose uh, the 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 map. The storyline goes where it wants you to go, and it's just up to you to fight your way through the storyline. And one important thing about this is morale is plays a very strong factor into this game where if your army has low morale versus the enemy's high morale your army will break very quickly and you will lose the battle you are at a at a huge disadvantage from the very beginning you also use cards uh, juan de marcus's bane when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to games uh tactics cards which you can apply to your army before the beginning of the battle you can use those to augment your army's um abilities and powers uh let's see one thing about this is t uh, terrain does not play as big of a role as it normally does in other strategy rpgs but i have to say i got pissed at this game for one moment because of the fact that uh you were fighting against the naga which are the snake people they control water and they 
uh, one of the things that they're one of their powers is that they froze over the lake that you're going to be fighting over. You, I was, I did not realize that the, I had a time limit before I had to get off that damned lake before it turned back into water and it killed all of my all the, my entire army. I got angry at that one. But what can I say? It, it's those those little surprises that kind of throw you for a loop, and yeah, it gives a little bit of variety to the game. So, Ingra Union originally came out on GBA. It got ported to PSP, and if I remember correctly, it has a port now on Steam. If you guys want to play it on PC, it's available on Steam as well. Well, mm-hmm. it hasn't Sorry, been translated sadly. Um, yeah, there you go. That's it. It's it's the the Steam version is in beta, if I remember correctly. It's a it's a it's a part where uh, it's in the stage where you're trying to hash out all the bugs. But yeah, uh, if you're looking for something a little bit off the beaten path, Adria Union for the GBA and PSP is the one to look for. Give and the nicest thing about it is also it's also part of a series. If I remember correctly, it's part of an entire series that includes games like uh, Riviera, The Promised Land, uh, Gun. Uh, uh, I, I forgot the other games yep. that were on it. So yeah, it's it it you can play it as part of an entire series or you can play it standalone. So it's a good it's a good game to get into. And it's not as as complex as the other SRPGs that I've seen. So it's a good intro. All right, on to the next one. All right, thank you for that, Sir jo- uh, Sir Joel. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, how about Miss I? Uh, so for me, I'm gonna try and be as fast with this. My choice is Front Mission Three. I guess most of you know this game. This was released in 1999 in Japan and 2000 in European and American markets. So this was by Square and released on the PlayStation 1. The plot of this is it was set in Southeast Asia with uh, themes of Cold War. So there are like two factions here. Um, so I'm looking at this with nostalgic glasses. And I remember liking this game because when I saw the, the Philippines and Panay Island was mentioned, I was like, Ooh, there, you know, cute, the Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme like that. So it was like, we don't get mentioned as much in video games. So this was like... Uh, Philippines represent something like that, you know. So uh, I remember this game. Uh, so you control what you call Vansers, spelled with the A W. Yes, it came from the German word Vanderpanzer, meaning walking tank. So you have a choice here. I remember I said earlier there are like two factions. So you have a choice between two routes. They share. Some major plot points, but have different characters and story scenarios. So Always go with the sister route. Hey. <laughs> Always go with the sister route for all of you <laughs> men of culture. Go with the Lisa. sister route. So, Sir Joyce <laughs> mentioned Alisa. Uh, so, like uh, Miss Ino said earlier, uh, in SRPGs like this, you can go to different locations, but just through choosing uh, options on the menu, not by walking. Um, and also in this game, like you can see there, your pilots can actually dismount your uh, Vanser at some point, and in other moments you can actually hit the enemy Vanser so hard that the enemy pilot either gets killed or gets ejected. So you can also, I'm not sure, I don't remember if you could actually target the different parts of the Vanser. Yes, but. Uh, oh, you can. Oh, that's good. Yes. Uh, because, like, if you can target the arm with the, uh, let's see, more powerful weapon, that would be advantageous. 
so also in this game you could destroy the structures covering your enemies. Um, what I like about this game is the background music. Uh, the animated avatars, uh, I mean, they like choose different frames, so it's not like a static one picture there. You can also save mid-battle. So if you remember, like uh, like many of us don't like in SRPGs, it takes too long to play. So if you want to uh, take a break or you need to do something, save, leave it, and come back to the exact battle where you left it off. Um, there's also animation attacks here. It's nice to see the uh, the attacks, the fires, the uh, cannons, and especially when your enemy gets totally destroyed and annihilated. Uh, what I also like about this game is the banter between Kazuki and Ryoga. Um, also, there's no permadeath in this game as well. So even if your uh, one of your banzers uh, die, uh, it will still be in the next uh, battle. So what I don't like about this game is um, in some instances, I'm not sure if it's in most uh, battles, if you don't get to kill your enemies immediately, just more enemies spawn. So there's more enemy to kill. Um, enemies who surrender also, because some enemies surrender, they will be idle during the battle, but later on they can change their mind, so they're gonna betray you. So better kill them off, yeah. even if they're, they've they surrendered. Their minds. Sure. The bastards. <laughs> 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 so uh, also there is also fire support from your allies. Maybe air support. So there is friendly fire in this one, and I hate it. <laughs> I hit it to the core, the friendly fire. Um, also, I'm not sure about the attack speed because when I'm attacking the enemies, it's like their counter attack comes first. I forgot about the attack uh, speed thingy here. And uh, the strategy I take here is the good thing is you can check your enemy status before moving. So you could check if uh, what kind of uh, weapon they have, if it's melee or ranged. And then you can decide which style to go for. So if your uh, enemy is mainly melee, try diagonal, it cannot counter you. And also, there's also elevations here. Uh, you could not fire or they could not counter depending on the platform you are. And so that's for me with front mission 3, I hope I covered it quite quickly, briefly. <laughs> and just like in the real world, the Philippine Panzers came from hand-me-downs from the United States. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Surplus. <laughs> Surplus. Yeah. All right, thank you for that, Miss uh, Miss I. Dagat ahas, yeah. Uh, how about third Drew? What you yeah, got? So, I, I was actually gonna go for a triangle strategy, but we'll skip that. And since we're gonna do a fast run, I'm gonna go with this one. This is Mario plus Rabbit. Oh, uh, I've heard good battle. things about that one. Mm. Yeah, this is an actually uh, sir. It, this got me left field because uh, Ubisoft and Ubisoft has only done one other RPG style, and that is Child of Light, which is also a really good game. Mm. Uh, but uh, getting back into this one, uh, if you check this out, uh, hey, it's Rabbids. It's from the Rayman series. Uh, it's oh. a crazy, the crazy cartoon for kids. But mm. it actually really, really works out for this particular game. And if you like the XCOM series, wherein you have to take into the into consideration cover and uh, the cover system, because this is Mario with a gun. <laughs> what else do you need to? <laughs> what else do you need? Mario with a gun. You use cover. Uh, 
besides the movement, you could actually jump on the enemies on this particular game, go inside pipes. You're with uh, rabid versions of the mm. of the Mushroom Kingdom battle, and uh, uh, like uh, one uh, the rabid Yoshi has a, a huge uh, a minigun, uh, and mm. to it's it's a fun it's a fun type of game and set in the Mario universe you don't really you you need to think a lot when you're in the actual gameplay but in terms of uh in terms of the story it's just a mixed matchup two worlds coming in together there's some sort of plot they're trying to get rid of this particular dilemma nothing nothing too deep this it's a lot of fun a lot of comedy moments on there and those comedy moments are actually one of those things that's lacking in uh, in most of the uh, most of the games right now the lightheartedness of it and mm-hmm. and if um, if you play this game with uh, heading into this game that you just want to have some strategic fun it's the the gameplay is much much faster than mm-hmm. other uh, other strategy or tactics games, and it's it has a very nice color uh, color palette as you could see in this video. It's gonna it's also a very nice starting point because my kids uh, my kids do not play JRPGs but they love this and the second game the Sparks of Hope because mm-hmm. the they they feel they are. Um, uh, much more connected get get more connected with this particular game than the darker uh the darker aesthetics and story of other tactics and srpgs so uh if you like the xcom style of uh, srpg gameplay and you love the this nintendo characters the mushroom kingdom mario mm. luigi uh Peach, uh, and the, there's also a DLC where you could uh, you would be able to play as Donkey Kong. So uh, that's that. Uh, that's the TLDR of this game. And if you are particularly interested in Mario, and when it's about Mario, it's all about experimentation. It's all about the spin-up games, and they did deliver with this. And their uh, collaboration with Ubisoft really did them wonders and that's why this uh, particular side series got a got a sequel in a short amount of time because it is really a really fun experience with uh, not that deep of a gameplay it's just some um, positioning and shooting cover and all that jazz so uh do try it out if you're piqued by what you see on this uh, short video mm-hmm. it certainly does look like it's a lot of fun and I like the fact that the mechanics make sense in the in the, in the with the make with the Mario idea that you go through pipes. Uh, I, I'm imagining they all have different uh, stats and 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 attack attack parameters and things like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I I get I, I, this game goes on sale a lot too here in the US. Um, yes. uh, this one and the sequel as well. So I I might want to jump in try try this. It doesn't sound as as complex as the other ones that I've tried. Okay. All right. Um, uh, hey guys, I I just need to button real quick. Oh I yeah, go ahead. This one is way far, 
our viewers who live in the Mindanao area, oh. please do be careful. I think there was an earthquake, 7.7 .7 magnitude earthquake, and uh, the affected parts are mostly lower Japan, lower end of Japan, as well as Mindanao here in the Philippines. So, uh, everyone, please be um, careful. I hope you are safe, and uh, please watch out for any potential aftershocks. Because my friends were sending messages at around 11.50 p.m. So, uh, especially you, Drew, um, please stay safe with the family. And I just wanted to let you guys know about uh, what I the news that I got. Yes, absolutely. We here at Timeless Gamers Show um, uh, make sure that we sympathize and you know we pray for everybody who is affected by the uh, current situation over in Mindanao. Uh, please make sure that you have all your emergency supp supplies with you. Make sure that everybody's safe and secure. And yeah, um, uh, you know we have prayers for everybody. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um... I'll go with mine. Mm -hmm. uh, I was about, uh, I was about to, uh, one, uh, I was about to, I was about, I was about to choose Persona Five Tactica. Just mm -hmm. came out just recently, but fuck that. <laughs> uh, let's go. To, uh, let's go with something a little bit more, <laughs> a, little, a little bit more obscure. Uh, so this one here is Valholian. Weird name, Valholian. Like Asholian. Okay, Valholian. <laughs> Alright. Uh, this came out for the Sega Saturn. Um, back in 1998. And for something that came out of 98 and all of the JRPGs that came before it, there are a lot of things that I was expecting, but the game didn't really deliver it on it. So I'll just show a quick uh, gameplay. So that's it. So that's Valholian. And um, what's the good? Oh, story. All right. So in a world, there's a goddess. Okay. The goddess blesses everyone. Two nations rose up to power. They want to decorate the, uh, the goddess. The empire, full of warriors. The kingdom, full of magic users. Okay. So basically jocks versus the nerds. And um, each uh, each nation is, uh, is trying to vie to become the champion of the goddess. So we have, and then you'll have the uh, you'll have uh, you'll have your main character coming from coming from the kingdom. He's the only guy. He's the only person in a kingdom full of magic users who cannot use magic. And then he tends to encounter boy meets girl, girl coming from the empire, full of warriors. But unfortunately. She's the only one who can use magic. So a guy war, um, who can't use magic, full of <laughs> in a in a place full of magic uh, magic users, meets a girl who uses magic users in in a, in a nation of full of uh, full of muscle brains. <laughs> uh, meet together, uh, and you know um, uh, they encounter each other, meet people, and you know maybe some something. Um, eventually along the way all right so let's get into it so the good um uh when the character attacks an enemy unit there will be a 3d animation of the two units fighting each other you can turn that off if you don't if you don't want to it gets old real fast 
Um, although your characters and the enemy units, they have a 50-50 chance of dodging any attack. Um, there is a save and a load function during the whole combat scene. So before you plan your next move, it is very advisable to save first. Why? Because if the enemy unit dodges your attack, you can just load the save file, try again until you hit the enemy. Uh, the treasure chests uh, for the items can be found across the uh, across the battle map. Sometimes it doesn't have any at all. Um, the treasure chest can sometimes contain one piece of equipment or accessory. That's the only good that I can probably think of as of now. The bad. All right. There are no healing items. Again, there are no healing items for this game. There are some party members that have some healing magic. Uh, from the start, uh, when you when you first meet them, but they can either heal themselves or heal others, and the and the characters that can heal others, um, the the frequency of how many they can use that magic is very sparse. Um, so healing, support, attack magic is possible. Um, uh, if the character has enough action points or AP. So during active combat, the screen only shows the HP of your party, not the AP. So what's that? Um, so you have to go to the status screen to see how many AP points that you have. So what? So regardless of what kind of magic that you want to use, it takes only one action point from the pool. So for example, if your character has three action points, and you only have a, uh, and you only have a single magic in uh, in your repertoire, which is heal. That means you can only use heal three times. If that character obtains an attack magic, so you got attack magic and heal magic, and you got uh, and you got four action points. That means you can either concentrate that character on healing. You're, you're gonna you're, you you can spend all four points just to heal your party, or you can use those four points just to you know uh, just keep on using attack magic until everything runs out. And as far as I know, there are no items to replenish AP either. There are some characters who can use their own AP to refill the AP of the others. Uh, the menu format during uh, uh, during battle can be jarring at first. So during the player turn, the prompt goes to a certain party member asking the player where to move. That's an, that's an automatic thing. Once you move the character, the menu shows up standby, items, secret arts. If the character is adjacent to an enemy, it will be attack, standby, items, secret arts. Now my biggest gripe will be, why do you put standby? high on the menu so this means that you might accidentally push standby by mistake effectively ending your turn and i found myself doing that quite a lot during the beginning of the game um very annoying um so uh when you um the items here when you uh the items are free to uh uh when you put on, oh, sorry. So, like I mentioned, so standby items, secret arts. So, if you put it on the items tab, you are free to change the equipment of that particular character. You can stack up on accessories to increase their stats. Although this function is only useful be uh, before attacking an enemy unit, 
and uh, because there's no HP, there's no AP replenishing items that I've seen so far. Uh, you're all, uh, you're you're gonna be needing that one uh, just to make sure that your party members. Uh, so basically, you're, you're you're just tossing, giving accessories, equipment to uh, to the characters that ha- uh, that haven't attacked an enemy yet or hasn't hasn't been attacked by the enemy yet. Just to make sure that they stay alive, because the enemies here have uh, the enemies here have a very unfair advantage, in my opinion, in terms of their vast numbers and they they have higher stats than you. The game is very linear. There's no means to go elsewhere to grind or level up. Once you reach once you reach a chapter, some exposition will take place and then the combat starts. So it is up to the player. Uh, who gets to kill for a higher uh, for the higher uh, for the higher experience points? And speaking of the experience points, the the ex uh, the XP level the leveling up here may be a little bit weird at first. A single attack of an enemy um, that that you'll uh, that you'll manage to do. Uh, so let's uh, let's just say uh, you got a unit attacking an enemy, you'll. Most likely, you'll you'll only get a single digit experience points after you attack. Although, if that particular character manages to kill that enemy, you will get at least forty experience points. That can potentially get a level up. Sometimes doesn't. In some strategy RPGs that I know of, it takes a hundred experience points per level up. Here, you don't even know what's the level cap is. <clears throat> so, strategy. Um, what I usually do. Try to lure one enemy unit at a time. If all of your party members advance too aggressively, all of the enemy units closest to your party will answer in kind. So tread carefully. Uh, the character who needs to level up the most should get the killing blow. So um, be sure that character is ready. The magic users here are weak against warrior attacks. Warrior attack. Uh, the warriors are weak against magic. So use that to your advantage. If you have characters that are low in HP and you want them to survive the battle, there's no permadeath. There's no permadeath. That said, using the item sub menu, you can get rid of the uh, you can get rid of the equipment and their accessories. Give them to the other characters who can still fight, and your weakened characters who are depleted of their equipment can just stay away from harm's way and you know you can you can just use them to get the final blow uh, that's how i usually do it so yeah that's um that's valholian <laughs> uh, such an unfortunate choice of name but what can i say it looks at the the storyline the premise sounds interesting it, it, i i really wish a lot more of these uh srpgs had had interesting premises as, as the way that you phrased it Joe. it does sound like something i might get into oh this oh this is a, this is extremely difficult at first i had a, i had some difficult time uh, playing this <laughs> because there's no healing items what the hell <laughs> all right um so uh that's my game let's go with sir jomar okay thank you so um, <clears throat> my game, my second game is actually uh, one of the OGs of uh, RPG and uh, tactical gaming. 
uh, all you need is a is a pencil and a paper mm-hmm. your appetite for adventure and of course a strong sense of imagination and uh, costume <laughs> costume yes, yes, that's, yes, that's optional <laughs> No, so in my in my party, it's mandatory. You come in costume, or you don't play at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm talking about D and D. So um, I, I I really love that game. Uh, it was introduced to me by my cousin, uh, who's from here, and I was in the Philippines before. And the D and D started in the Midwest, mm. so I got a chance to uh, to to go to uh, Wisconsin and visit the the dungeon where it all started. So, um, on this game, you don't—you're actually not controlling a character or, or, mm-hmm. or a, a, um, a, a playable character. You're actually assuming a character. Mm-hmm. You're you're um, you're you're changing yourself. You're you're putting your shoes on a, one of the characters in the level of if you're making uh, like like say a a, um, a fighter, right? Mm-hmm. So you'll you'll make a fighter. You'll do the background, everything. Uh, what's your background in fighting? Everything from from that level to uh, what's your speciality of uh, you know on 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 your on your training, stuff mm-hmm. like that. D and D is really special because uh, the adventure is not limited on the book. It actually depends on the dungeon master. Uh, the yeah. rules are there, but it's not. It's not limited on the rule book, and it's not limited on the adventure book. It's. Uh, it's basically, the dungeon master is the master of everything. Mm-hmm. All. All your encounters, all your um, your your en- uh, encounters and uh, travels will will be depending on the story of the dungeon master, mm-hmm. um, and all your decision will be decided on a dice. So you always have to carry the dice. So, for example, if you uh, encounter a, mast, uh, a monster or or uh, an, um, find a, a treasure box, whatever you do, it will always be decided with a dice. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know how I can explain this much further, but um, this is this game is actually not for everybody because it's to tell you the truth, it, this is really boring unless. Unless the dungeon master or someone that you know will, will explain this to you in a very short and in a very interesting way, the way I learned this is playing the game right away. Yes, and um, we we just go through the the process of uh, you know the adventure, and then uh, on the on on the uh, while while we're doing that, I I I, just, I, I got a sense of what uh, I felt that oh this is exciting. So I think that that's the that's the only way that you can teach someone who's not into this kind of game the, the way to make someone appreciate uh, what what dungeon uh, Dungeons and Dragon is all about. Um, yeah, so uh, I'm also looking forward for uh, going to uh, the ultimate Dungeon and Dragon experience, uh, which is uh, it will be oh, it's always held yearly annually on um, the UK northern England where where you go play Dungeons and Dragons in a real castle mm. so that's one of my bucket lists uh, <laughs> Dungeons and Dragons um, it actually the the uh, what you are seeing here right here right now this is the modern one 
that you have you that you have those um uh, what you call these dioramas yes uh, and playset but before you'll only have what you call your pencil your paper and your imagination that's it mm-hmm. you'll you'll travel to Baldur's Gate to Neverwinter uh, with your imagination and then uh, years after when Neverwinter Nights and Baldur's Gate game came out mm-hmm. you'll be able to take like, away that's what I imagined before mm-hmm. that's, how the, uh, that, that's, that's how strong is the game Mm. It's funny how Jomar brought in the most SRPG <laughs> game in the SRPG I was going to say because people might ask, Dungeons and Dragons, that ain't SRPG. What the hell are you guys talking no, about? It is you might argue, this is the OG. Yes, There's no FRPG genre without D&D, you ignorant yes. fools. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> In the old days, like Jomar said, you needed a pen, a, a piece of yeah. graphing paper with all those squares, and your mm-hmm. imagination. That was it. That's your, that that's your it. SRPG. Yeah, that was it. Yes. <laughs> and uh, the, the funny thing is, if you, for example, uh, uh, b- because this game takes a lot of preparation, and mm-hmm. t- it takes a lot of time. It will... It will, um, you know, take you a one Saturday night, and not even finishing it. Mm-hmm. And then, um, what the dungeon master would, uh, would be doing is you, because you have your uh, character sheets, right? Mm-hmm. So they will be uh, the dungeon master will be signing it, so no one will be able to cheat. And you'll be able to use that the next time you go again on an adventure with them. For example, Sunday you have a schedule and you cannot come, so you're on uh, level three or something, and then uh, you cannot come, and then the others uh, uh, join joined in, and then they play, they leveled up, and then the next time you come, and then uh, they, they they're already high level, and then you're still level three. That's it. That's exactly <laughs> it. I, 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 SRPGs. It's not just an RPG. It's an SRPG in the way that Jomar describes it. The fact is. There's a story that actually goes around with with Gary Gygax's uh, starting uh, Dungeons and Dragons. He he took it from wargaming, from chainmail wargaming. Yes. And the fact is, he started the game and he got a party together. And his wife was 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 suspecting him of cheating because he would disappear at night yes, at every night, si- yes. every single weekend. So one day he she followed him to where he was going, and she barged into the basement and she found this whole group of guys just hunched over a table playing Dungeons and Dragons. So. You know, you're not cheating. You're you're absorbed in yeah. the game of Dungeons and Dragons. So yes, if you, could, brought if in... you can see the mm. the the dungeon, they, they mm. call it the dungeon. That where the house was, uh, yes. where they invented this. So if you would, <laughs> if you can see the, the the basement where they where they're playing it, it's uh mm. it's a dump basement <laughs> uh, with a long table on it, mm. uh, and then you know people go there to play. Up yeah. until this day, uh, the house can be uh it's, it's, it's like a museum so you can mm. go there and play you can uh you know um, actually ask your friends and then schedule to play then the dungeon and mm. there is a accommodation on the on the like um uh other side of the the, the house itself and then you can stay there and then you know, play whatever you want mm-hmm. there you go huh? <laughs> oh my goodness yes dungeons and dragons again 
Jomar brought in the OG SRPG. For those of you who are interested in strategy RPGs, you can get into the games using all these modern things, but the pure experience of playing Dungeons & Dragons as an SRPG cannot be beat. I agree with him completely. All right, back to you, Jomar. All right, that's for Jomar. Uh, we gain the, uh, the OG Dungeons & Dragons D&D. And speaking of games that also require some sort of strategy, we got another entry here. Um, we got a, uh, a video review here coming from uh, from Luis Valdez, uh, sending us uh, another review, a game review. Not necessarily a strategy RPG, but some game that requires some strategy as well. So let's see what you got. Pac-Man, one of the most recognizable video game mascots since the 80s. A simple yet addicting game where you control a yellow circle that moves around the screen to eat dots while avoiding four of our colorful ghosts. Eventually, Pac-Man became a hit and managed to make its goal of making video games seem more lighthearted and also bringing in women into the arcades. This is the current craze game, Pac-Man. I like the little man. He's willing he eats up all the other things, you know. How about that Pac-Man song that I hear around here all the time? Yeah, you sing it, you sing it a lot. You hum it. <laughs> Namco ended up releasing four official titles up until 1987. These include Pac and Pal, Super Pac-Man, Pac-Mania, and the Pac-Land. However, in 1996, Namco eventually made a very nice remake of Pac-Man called Pac-Man Arrangement. Arrangement takes the original Pac-Man and adds more power-ups for your disposal, and new mazes with jump panels and dash boosts. This new addition makes levels much faster to complete and also makes avoiding the ghosts easy. It even features a two-player mode and this game is very fun with a friend. The new power-ups also make finishing levels much faster. There's a total of 7 new power-ups. Just to briefly touch on how the colored capsules are obtained, it depends on the last ghost you ate. In World 0-2, the power capsule that will appear depends on the fourth ghost you eat. In World 3-5, it's the second ghost you eat. Red capsule is from Blinky, blue capsule is from Inky. Pink Capsule is from Pinky, Orange Capsule is from Clyde, and if you're unlucky, there's the Useless Gold Capsule from the new ghosts. Kinky, yes, <laughs> that's his name. Red Capsule makes Pac-Man move faster. Pink throws all the ghosts into a pot and back to their home and keeps them there for a short duration. And lastly, the best capsule, which is the blue one, which makes a doppelganger of Pac-Man that helps you eat and lure ghosts away. There's new hazards as well. Difficulty is okay for the most part, but World 4 and 5 is where the game starts getting harder. The coolest thing about this is that it has a boss at the end. After beating the fourth maze in World 5, our four ghosts eventually have had it and decide to take down Pac-Man with a giant mechanical ghost. The final boss has two phases. First is eating a certain amount of dots, then a power pellet to clear the ghosts that appear. Second phase is when you finally strike back by throwing the dots towards the big mechanical ghost. 
arrangement is a great remix of the original Pac-Man. The game's jazz-style music is pretty upbeat and soothing. If you're looking for a great remake of classic Pac-Man besides Championship Edition, then Arrangement is just the game you should try. It's short and easy to play, while also offering a good challenge. Alright, thank you for that. So that review came uh, coming from Sir Luis Valdez, Pac-Man Arrangement was narrated by Sir Joel as well, right? Um, was it a ghost robot or a robot ghost? Uh, we'll sure. never know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, yep, uh, that's the uh, that's the show, guys. We will just do our quick um, uh, shameless plugs. Here we go. So, just to end the show, let's start with Sir Joel. Where can they find you? All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for sticking around with us for this episode of Strategy RPGs. You can find me on kick.com under the banner Banyagin Native and also on twitch.tv under Banyagin Native. Just search using using the search bar, hashtag FUFB. And Niels Field, catch me playing some random games uh, on kick and Twitch. Uh, request some games. I might, I might be, even be able to play them. Thanks very much. All right, thank you for that, sorry, Joel. And how about Miss I? Where can they find you? Everyone, you can find me on Twitch and on YouTube uh, as Insulin Porter. Uh, the question is when. <laughs> All right, thank you for that, Miss I. And we got, uh, how about Miss Hinu? Hello, everyone. Um, thank you for having me again here. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. I have a page, and I'm also part active on some of the RPG groups. So, see you guys there. Thank you. Alright, thank you for that, Miss Hino. And Sir Drew, where can they find you? Oh, oh, uh, uh, Drew, your, uh, your, your mic is uh, off. There you go. Yeah, Alright, let's do that. No problem, no problem. Yeah, so you can find me uh, for my English content. You can find me both on Facebook and on YouTube on my Geek Out Gaijin page. And you could check out uh, our small podcasting uh, podcasting episodes of uh, both me and my partner is Kerbin uh, uh, Destroyer. We're doing uh, gaming podcasts uh, um, twice uh, twice a month. Usually, uh, it's named Insert Coin Press Start. We start out with uh, what's the latest release uh, of game, video games for the week and revolve around the topic. Uh, and doing side quests around that so uh please do check it out uh, insert coin press start here on facebook and um that's it uh thank you for having me on the show really enjoyed uh talking and finding out more video games uh more srpg games that i didn't knew before all right thank you for that sir drew and how about sir joe mark and they find ya? Well, Jomarot, I, ha- I haven't been streaming lately, but you can find me at Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Kick. All right, thank you for that, Mr. Dungeon Master. I <laughs> did Hold on. Uh, of, of course, I, I still have one, one more plug. Uh, we will have a, a Pokemon tournament on um, uh, Sweet Tooth, uh, December 9 at uh, UST. 
uh, called Sweet Tooth España. It's not on España actually. It's on uh, Asturias and um, Laonglaan at the back of UST. So um, so we're show- so we're showing the banner now. So Shuffle yeah. Emporium uh, in collaboration with Sweet Tooth España. That will be. Uh, on December 9, 2023, on Saturday, 2 p.m., they're going to have a Pokemon trading card game tournament, uh, only costing you 450 pesos to register, uh, plus a free meal. Would you? Free so, meal, yeah. Um, how about that? So, you can find Sweet Tooth España by going to the second floor, Fuse Box Building, of Palak, Manila. Um, uh, Sweet Tot España, of course, they are hosting, selling all of these wonderful, very delicious, various different kinds of shakes. So if you have a, so for people who have a sweet tooth, go to Sweet Tot España. And uh, just to promote the show as well, uh, a few of our partners, uh, the Sega Mega Masters, of course, uh, hosted by Sir Dan and Sir Viraj, who cannot be here. Um their podcast called the Sega Mega Masters can be found on on YouTube where they discuss anything Sega Mega Drive, Genesis, and the the Master System. Uh, Retro Unlimited, uh, a web based boutique that offers apparel and clothing with prints referencing the old school anime, video games, and pop culture of the yesteryears. Just go to their Facebook, Lazada, and TikTok accounts. Retro Unlimited. Um, studio studio.ph of course um, thank you for uh, thank you for survey and studio.ph for our thumbnail for this evening for the strategy strategy role playing games the thumbnail for the show for the for this episode um, they're the brand that is dedicated in making quality prints for stickers uh, shirts uh, hoodies bags and lots more just check out their facebook page at studio.ph or send an email to studio.ph at gmail.com for your customized personal and corporate printing inquiries. Oh, do you also, um, just, so you, uh, just so you guys know, they also renting out some old school uh, um, gaming consoles as well. Uh, oh, and Collector's Alley, of course, um, by Chairman Irwin of RGCP. Um, it houses all sorts of old video games, toys, action figures, Gundam model kits, anime-related stuff. Uh, you can find that shop on the third floor of the LRT Caloacan Mall. Uh, go see and what they have on uh, the what they have in display, or just follow Collectors Alley in Facebook for the uh, for their latest wares. And I believe they're going to be having a mini uh, mini retro game market tomorrow Sunday um, on this. Uh, right there on the third floor of the Caloacan Mall. So all of you guys who are just looking for old video games, uh, peripherals, accessories, go check it out. And that is it, guys. On behalf of Sir Viraj, Sir Dan, and Sir Ray, that is the show. Thank you all so much for staying with us. You guys out there are very wonderful. And as always, our games and our bodies may grow out of date, but... Our gaming experiences will forever remain. Hey, Timeless. We'll see you guys again next time. Have a great rest of the weekend. Bye. Good weekend. Thank you.